Hello and welcome everyone to this episode of Witches on the Couch. I am one of your hosts. My name is Nikki and I am a witch. Hi, I'm your other host. My name is Jade and I'm also a witch. We're so close to being done to season three of Motherland Fort Salem. We have episodes seven, eight, and nine on this podcast episode. And then we're going to give episode 10 its own little like independence self-contained farewell to the chief it it goes down with the ship situation all righty then um you know we got it we gotta get through motherland and then we can move on to greener pastures we do we do but actually um these episodes not all good but definitely not all bad I actually kind of liked episode seven and parts of nine. I I would say the episodes had like highlight moments where I was like, ooh, this is fun or like, ooh, this is juicy. But overall, I have found myself in this last season in a state of extreme disinterest. Mm. mostly it's I've noticed it because I'll be watching episodes like I will be actively playing them and I'll be sitting there and being like man I wish I could watch something else like I wish something else was on and I find myself going just automatically to grab the remote to change the channel and then being like ah no you have to watch this like this isn't for fun (laughs) so yeah, it, I would say it's. I would say we're going out on Fort Salem with a bit of a bummer. But again, it's just with my disinterest. It's better than season two. It's true. It's not invoking so much anger. I'm just kind of like, oh yeah, that. Well, <laughs> let's get into it. Bit of a wall between me and this season now. <laughs> yes, let's let's if dive into says- it. So since I like episode seven the most, apparently, you're stuck with me. Uh, and actually, I think that the reason I like episode seven is because I feel like a lot actually happens in seven versus the other episodes, honestly. Like, I just, I didn't, anywho, get to that later. So episode seven, uh, titled She Returns, we start out with wonderful scene of Rael in a field. Well, so she's still in the mycelium realm. She's healed enough. So her mom, mycelium, mom, quote unquote, the mother. Mycelium mommy. (laughs) Okay. That doesn't sound kinky at all. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You just have a dirty mind. I do spend too much time on the internet. And after that one video game where, like, the creepy giantess came out. Anywho, never mind. We're not going to go down there. (laughs) So, Rail can stay in the mycelium with her mom if that's what she wants. She does choose to go back to the real world because, like, she knows that shit's going down. Man! Sorry, I was just going to say, this scene... Man, has Harry Potter left its mark on our world. I was like, ah, yes. It's some real end of Harry Potter shit of you can go back and be a hero. 
and keep struggling because you're probably going to fail. Or you can stay here with those you loved and let the rest of your friends handle it. Has that been just always the way since that last Harry Potter movie? Well, so the funny thing, um, it's actually just a cheap, evocative moment. Mm -hmm. It's not that it was Harry Potter that was super great about it. It's just that it's the easiest way to write that certain style i'll put it that way let's not get into the i like i could go into an entire english class style essay about it but that's not the point right now so anywho it's cheap it's easy <laughs> it's motherland fort salem it's not just motherland fort salem but yeah the tip so anywho She's going to go back to the real world. She has a warning, though. The mother will call on her at the end. What does that mean? And then she's, we fade to black. Great start. In the next scene, we find out, oh, hey, all the session marshals are linked together, just like the biddies. Except don't call them biddies, because that's disrespectful, and I completely understand. I also didn't like this. I don't know why. I think because I never really liked the crones. So I was like, ah, oh, this, uh, we didn't have to do a callback to this. This, you could say they're connected some other way. Like, I, I don't like this though. I don't like this comparison. Yeah. But also, it's, it, it, it is a callback because we know how the writing team really kind of works for this show. But, the way they had established it was that the marshal is the one who had this first and taught it to Alder and she tweaked it and that's why we have the crones which I do kind of like that explanation but anywho it helps move the plot along so uh, we also find out there's going to be a new council meeting Woo! cuts over to Scylla recruits the Dodgers. <laughs> and it's such a quick little scene, but like, it's like Tally's getting kidnapped basically by this driver. And then it turns out Scylla's actually cool for once with her stupid bird. And she recruited the Dodgers and they're all going to work together. It, yeah, it's uh, the old like paper factory from like episode one or something like the manager's there again. And I was like, ah, it's it's this dude, which don't get me wrong. I actually kind of liked him. So it was nice kind of seeing him again. I don't know. I was just like, he just seemed like a nice guy. And that's like all he really had to do to make me be like, oh, he's fine. Um, So I see him again. I was like, yay, he's alive. Yeah, <laughs> like, now I kind of agree because he's like. He's like deadpan, but hilarious. Yeah. And I appreciate that. That's a good way to describe it. Yeah. <sighs> I'm just looking at my notes, like, as I'm moving to the next scene, because I clip two, we're at the session council meeting. And Thelma Bear Killer admits that she made the militia, like, behind the rest of the council's back. Oh, that was like, I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, well, and then, <laughs> hey, so, and we had kind of already hinted, and she discussed sort of at the beginning of this, like, 
we obviously have a traitor on the council. Like, how secure is all of this? And everybody's like, no, super, super secure. And then if you're you're curious if uh, Nikki was right in our last like three episode recap where she was like, oh, and I call out this one person because they're all the other person who's gang of names slash screen time. uh, I called it. Yep. (laughs) Yep. The traitor is Millie. Sweet little Millie. I I literally was watching this and this is like, this is treated like a big reveal. Everyone's like, gasp. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, man, James may be pissed that I was so right. I really freaking was. It must hurt. Like, Uh... I was just like, smug as shit. Being like, oh no, who's not coming? Like, Cheshire grin. I was like screaming at my TV when it happened <laughs> for this reason too, because like it is in the show, it's like everybody slumps to the floor because they were, their food was drugged and then Thelma didn't happen to eat the food. So she gets knocked unconscious and then she comes to, and we have this reveal. No, it's <sighs> like, you should have eaten my food. And I was like, yeah, I knew it was you, bitch. <laughs> like... Damn it. <laughs> Yeah. But anywho, on my notes for this, it's literally all I wrote down was Council Trader is Millie! Explanation. Exclamation point. <laughs> Good lord. <sighs> I so also, we cut over. Oh, oh I was going to say, I also just kind of hated this because um, I, I assume we're going to go into it later because it's kind of a thing. Millie's reasons for why she's the Council Trader are so dumb. Like, they're they're literally the most idiotic reasons. It makes me think Millie is just, like, the stupidest person alive. I I was like, how did you get this council role being this fucking dumb? Because she's so personable. You know what? I was going to go into it in a few, but let's just do it now. Fuck it. So Millie's reasoning. Uh, They all pretty much got mining contracts, which I assume were the mining contracts to get to the mycelium. Yes. Uh, not that they're specifically stated, but yeah. I was like, oh, okay. So mining contracts, they wanted that money. Millie's group was not getting those contracts, though. And she resents that. So there's also, you know, she throws in a quick clip of they need want better land access and things like that. But the council just keeps ignoring them. But like the big overarching thing was they weren't getting these mining contracts. Which is kind of, I, I don't know. It seems, if we're going to make any real life comparisons, it's like the dumbest thing we could bring up for why a member of a tribe would be pissed. That it's like, I really wish more people would mine my land. Like, that is a constant, like, real life event problem in our world is the mining slash desecration of tribal lands. And the fact that this, like, tribal leader is like, why won't you pay me to do it? I was like, wow, this just feels very out of touch. Yeah, I agree. And I get, like, so the money flow is an issue in real life, too. And I get that perspective. But, yeah, definitely having someone whine that they weren't getting those mining contracts when they historically are very protective of the land is so so dumb and then of course like uh, Millie so 
Thelma is just like, um, you realize now like that we've broken the treaty. You've given them a foothold in. You think that basically, she says, it's not said like this, but it is. You think white people were bad before this? Are you kidding me? You just let the white man in again. Like, we're fucked. This is Trail of Tears part two is like the feeling that Thelma evokes. And Millie's just like, no, they promised me they'd leave. And I yeah. was like, Millie's a moron. Like my myself, like me as a person, if I was just hanging in like my house on my own land and a giant corporation was like, can we have access here? We promise we'll go soon. No, no, that's so, such a stupid idea. Like, I, I think the reason, like I said, my disinterest was there was I was just like, wow, we really had to make a traitor by making the traitor the stupidest human being that has walked the earth. And I just like, I, I, it didn't call to me because Millie's so dumb that I was just like, oh, this is not intriguing. She's just stupid. And like, yeah, like the whole time she's like, I never expected it to go this far. And I'm like, really, really, we are like years deep into registration programs for witches. Millie, what the fuck? Seriously. Yeah, sorry. This is like my small rant of why I hate Millie slash this is the dumbest thing. I've seen it a bit. <laughs> Welcome to Nikki's first rant of the night. She said the rest, that, the rest but... of them are pretty tame. The, Millie was like the main one where I was, again, Cheshire grain of success because I won. But also I was just like, it's a shallow win. It's a shallow triumph. At least you recognize. <laughs> Anywho. So that's, yeah. Back to the show actual plot line as it progresses i mean so war envoy comes to the session border just conveniently as adil abigail and anacostia are trying to have a conversation with the iroquoian marshal to locate the head marshal so that gets interrupted the wards lift meaning oh someone on the council gave permission for this envoy to come in but the marshal's like, no, no, no. This still breaks the treaty. Like, I'm not letting you in. And all hell breaks loose. Not really, but kind of. Fight, fight, fight. Yeah. Uh, we have a little Alder scene, but I'm going to get to that later. Because honestly, I think her shit is way better all at one. It's instead true. of the little clips they give us throughout. So... One of the reasons for our own sanity that we're stacking episodes the way we are, where we're like doing three episodes time is a, we're tired of the show. B, as we have discussed in multiple other episodes of this podcast, Motherland is the most irritating show of doing eight second scenes and then cutting away. And it never deviates from that stretch. Yeah. Like it definitely works for like one plot line per episode it kind of works and then it works a lot in other shows but overall 
in the bulk of Botherland, it just doesn't work. So yeah, it's just so annoying. Us generally squishing things together. Yeah. Nikki likes to just squish him and not always tell us. I like to tell you because, hey, if you think like me, like I've seen this show and I'm thinking of the like minute by minute of the show as we're progressing. So when you skip around, I'm like, wait, what? And I get it because like I've seen the show, but at the same time, like, yeah, I got to tell you. I think honestly, it's just because I assume if you're listening to our podcast, first of all, love you. Second of all, uh, you've either seen the show or you're not interested in the show. You're just kind of here to listen to us talk about it because we're fun and entertaining. So you either kind of know what's going on or you're just like, ah, I love those gals. And it, it really doesn't play a part in your life. So I just keep going. Good for you. I'm a little bit more type A than that. That you are. I was about to say, you're also much more type A than I am though. And you're like, it is a step-by-step process. I'm like, we got there, didn't we? So the invader armor, you know, the work convoy. Uh, actually, I guess I should clarify the civilian oversight people. The VPs, troops within the military. Yeah. They yeah. wear the red to distinguish themselves. They have a particular armor that actually turns the workings against the caster. It rebounds. Just like those cages that Anacostia and Sterling were in for the gala way back when. Which I also found stupid, but whatever. We're going with it, though. I, again, I think it is like big picture. I'm a big, big picture girl. I I'm, a, I'm willing to let a lot of like, you know, when people are like, that's a story problem or like, that's a detail. It doesn't make sense. I am so willing to let that go. Like I've watched so many Marvel movies happily just being like, eh. um, but big picture world building wise, this is like the dumbest thing because the big picture world build is the reason that the United States like has of witches draft is because so many other nations have the same and most militaries appear to be highly witch focused so you can go to war against each other and fight each other with witches how exciting and if this was just a thing we had in the background the whole time then like witch militaries were useless it just took the camarillo coming out of the shadows okay Okay. They were trying before, it just wasn't <laughs> successful. But they just have tons of money to put into tech and development. <laughs> I mean, you can do it on a small scale, and then as soon as they actually got the connections, it scales up. <laughs> Anywho, so Marshall gets knocked out thanks to it, the reverberating armor. And he gets armor. stabbed. Yeah, he gets stabbed. He's done for. Very sad. So Anacostia leaves to go find, you know, do her next thing to hunt down the head marshal and find President Wade. Abigail and Dill stay, and they actually end up fighting the invaders. So, there's again, because type A, a little alder scene, but I'm still getting to that later. <laughs> it's uh, felt for now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Adil excess bait he ends up slipping a humvee that's coming at him it's cool adil's always great like i 
I rarely say anything bad about Adil. I'm always like, he's awesome. I really love he's got this moment of like swagger as he like he flips the Humvee and then he starts walking past like it's quote unquote corpse and he's just dragging a finger along acting <laughs> all cocky and I'm just like for historically peace loving people, Adil, your combat is kind of a badass. I think I love it. I think a lot of the time I'm rewatching Charmed right now and it's it's a good time. I'm actually really enjoying it. Um, I think Adil kind of reminds me of Leo. I think he gives me some Leo vibes where it's just like surprise swagger where we're just like, oh, sweetie. Okay. Like you have I'm fun. I'm pretty sure we've said this before. So yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> well, I reiterate it now. <laughs> yeah. Still holds true. Sweet. Yeah. Um, so yeah, again, he's bait though. So Abigail like goes behind the convoy leader, the civilian guy in red, who stabbed the marshal and snaps his neck and then reveals herself. She comes out of Adil's like invisibility working. Invisibility cloak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I want to say, but that's copyrighted basically. So <laughs> um J- we do not matter enough for JK to come after us. <laughs> She's got a lot of her own problems. Yeah, she's got her own shit to deal with with HBO. She does not have to come after our tiny little podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, hey, that one character that actually got named that's still at Fort Salem. Oh, yeah, does. Oh, she's here conveniently, the only one that speaks. And she seems to be sort of a leader of this group. So, woo, perfect. How convenient again. So Lupe advises Abigail to run because the civilian army is like right behind, basically. The border officers are released from, you know, being pinned by the witches. And Abigail goes like full bellwether. It tells the cadets to, you know, protect the innocents and subvert Colonel Jarrett's orders. All will make it look like they're not actually doing that. And just be chill. Like, there's innocence here. Don't be dicks. But, like, I understand the pressure. It's a good little speech. This is actually something I really liked. Again, we like Abigail. A lot of this podcast with Motherland is Abigail's great. Um, But I did really like this idea of, like, an army that is trying to just be incompetent without obviously being incompetent and I was really excited where I was like oh this is like a really cool idea and then I was immediately very sad because I was like oh there's like two episodes for this to play out like if this had been like a a season opener thing where this is like the vibe we're gonna go with I think I would have really enjoyed that shit but because I was like, oh, this is going to like last for an episode, I was like, mm, kind of take some of it away. Yeah, I agree with you there. So it technically moves on to other shit, but right now, Alder time. <laughs> Get it out of the way. You make it sound <laughs> like she's a WWE wrestler. Like, Alder oh. time. Burr, 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 burr. Okay. 
honestly though when she comes on i kind of have that same sort of like gut clenching that when you're watching some of those intense <laughs> wwe because i'm just like oh what the fuck's gonna happen next when the undertaker used to come out yeah i i was a wwe kid in in my youth well my brother was into the wwe so i watched it with him i had faves the undertaker was one of them but he also did crazy ass shit so i was not a fan okay so alder is in madrid spain meeting with this guy he's an antiquities dealer does some shady stuff i'm literally looking back at my notes and forgetting this happened like i'm like oh shit right when you're like she's in madrid i'm like what is she doing in madrid (sighs) sorry i understand there's a reason why i crunched yeah no exactly that's that's what i mean like even as we've worked so hard on this i'm like she's in madrid what i only wrote that down or remember it because i like madrid spain's a fucking amazing place everybody should go the economy is trash you know what honestly like a lot of economies are yeah uh, yeah but here it's beautiful but i did take macroeconomics from a spaniard like he was newly from spain Ooh. and he just talked a lot about how the economy is fucked so <laughs> that's all i think of with spain is i'm like spain your economy is trash it's backed by the euro so i mean like but yeah and so so this guy santos not that we actually need to know his name because again fuck him he actually has camarilla ties Mm. well so alder's there looking for pieces of the first song this guy used to be pontifex for the camarilla which hey that's latin for pope Basically, though, the way that works, I guess, in the Camarilla is he was like the historian, the keeper of secrets, that sort of thing. It it made me feel like he was kind of like the Crusaders librarian. Yeah, that's yeah. a good way to put it. He swears he's no longer in the Camarilla. He was born into it. He didn't have a choice. But... Alder really wants this info on the first song, so they're going to muscle through. And it's a little bit like daggers at the throat feeling with each other, but then he's very forthcoming. Works out quite well. OMG. Turns out the last two stewards that she's looking for are non-existent. So one line went extinct, and the other one, the song was just not passed on properly before the last steward died and actually santos gives alder a recording with the original vocal cords from the extinct line so she has something to track hey that's a fun little like it's literally the actual vocal cords of this witch that's in a box with like a music player hooked up to it a little gruesome yeah fascinating morbid as fuck and so because of that, Alder like kind of reminisces on technology, like crazy how far things have come. And she's like looking around at everything too as she's going through this and notices a display case. And they're like in the basement of this guy's shop. A display case that's obviously like just for him. 
the placard says it's the rope that was used to hang Alder's sister. Alder flips out. No, her sister was not used or not hung with rope. It was braided leather. She distinctly remembers it. But Alder is still going nuts. So she ends up hanging Santos with that rope and she carves a sigil like on his chest, but it's not anything I recognize. I didn't recognize it either. And I'm kind so. of the sigil girl. And I was like, I don't know. Um, I will say as much as I'm like, oh my God, they're in Madrid and I forgot all about this. Totally did. I do remember in my rewatch and, and now today as you bring it up, um, I actually kind of liked Santos. Like the, the actor plays him very well. Mm-hmm. he's very interesting like I again, agree. if this was a character they brought into like season one or season two I'd be like let's do stuff with him kind of thought that would be like kind of a cool Santos arc where it was like I had no choice in this I was kind of born into this and I'm good at it it but it haunts me and I was like oh I I got this vibe but I was like, oh, he's he's really interesting. And I would love to see more of that from him. Like, I think if you like begged for Alder's forgiveness for like what he did with no threat on the table, just like he just needs someone to understand him would be really interesting. But I, that's not the motherland for Salem. That's not who we are here. So I recognize why that didn't happen. But again, I was like, oh, I'm having like weird flashes to this. <laughs> interesting yeah yeah uh he's a named character that wasn't original so he dies Mm -hmm. that's that's the only reason he got a name (laughs) with sad sad face and i wish i knew what that sigil was but i have no fucking clue and i'm kind of the sigil kid and i got nothing that's a bummer oh well so the rest of the story uh where are we okay so tally and scylla crazy they're working together never would have thought this would have happened they actually free thelma from millie's capture they chase millie she's basically technically sort of arrested yeah it's very whatever and millie's like i never thought it would go this terribly again millie's stupid yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> We're like, fuck <laughs> you, Millie. We're moving on. <laughs> and then they get noticed that, oh, the rest of the army is coming in. Like they're out on the outskirts. So it reminds the Dodgers that, look, we don't really want to fight these witches because witch on witch violence is, it's been the problem for a long time. The witches don't want to be here. It's these stupid civilian, it's the president's issue. It's Anywho. a VP shit. I know he's technically the president right now, but I'm always going to call him the VP. So sorry. Sorry, I'm not sorry. <laughs> I'm not. Welcome to Nikki. After <laughs> <laughs> so I love just... that like really deep story of a very deep movie, I'm like, fuck you, VP. Not sorry. <laughs> <sighs> I got two sides. I'm a Libra. <laughs> I'm not getting into this. So they do, the Dodgers do a really cool thing. Um, they actually use like spree bottle technique. 
they have a fog come in to like cover the cadets who are hesitant to go after these other witches, despite the oversight people being like just jackasses. We'll just put it that way. Fog comes in, they use this free bottle technique, and the witches just end up repeating their like their induction speech or whatever. Uh, the joining vows for when they came into the army. Uh, the, I'm trying to think of the oath they have to stay upon draft. Yeah. There we go. They just keep repeating that. And it's wonderful. It's cool. I it, thought it was nifty. It was nifty. I'd kind of hoped, like, again, if this is a season long thing, which I would have liked, um, I was kind of hoping they were just going to act like really stupid. So it was going to be like a captain would be like, use magic and they were just gonna like throw a tornado up randomly like in the middle of nowhere there to be like you didn't say where we don't know direction like you know, like I just I don't know I again if this been more of a long story that could have been really fun where it's just like the civilian militia is terrible at ordering people because they're obviously not trained to do so they are a government militia that is terrifying but also like incompetent <laughs> and that just like helps the witches like act incompetent I don't know there's a fun comedy in here somewhere <laughs> if only if I had creative freedom you know <laughs> free form call me <laughs> we've said that so many times I, think I know we they've that never called us so. <laughs> So anywho, now that the regular witches can't get the job done, hey, guess what? Special Forces is coming in. Oh, shit. If they can't succeed, they're going to use lethal tactics. Like, it's kill or die. So we have two sort of, like, branches of quote-unquote Special Forces that we see. And one of them is like the big group is outside they capture Thelma bear killer i don't know why i have to say her full name every time i just like it so i'm sorry it's happening (laughs) they get the collar around her and then like the face dissolves oh it's actually scylla she was wearing Thelma's face I will will say in this season, I'm going to give them props. They are making excellent use of that, like, witch thing. Like, that is something they've brought up a few times now as something that, like, a lot of witches have learned from the spree. And it always comes off well. Like, it hasn't been stupid yet. I'm always like, ah, I see you. Like, that, I I appreciate that. I'm going to give them a compliment. That is high praise. I know. Wow. And I agree. And then the second sort of wave is really just two witches on the inside. We have one of those civilian leaders in red who, you know, Tally Tally does a working against his armor, not knowing that it reflects. So she gets knocked down. He goes to stab her and the other witches are like, no, 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 like, what orders were to bring her in alive? And he says, no, fuck that. She's dying. But they can't do anything, because he's got the reflective armor. And just in time, Rael appears as a witch bob and dissolves the fuck out of him. 
and the witches back. Yeah, the other two witches just leave. Yeah, I I'd bounce too. I'd be like, all right. (laughs) Yep. Fuck that. I'm out. Bro's gone. Nobody can snitch. Done here. No one knows. We will get our stories straight and go get a nice coffee. Heck yeah. You and I should be in the military. Oh, there's reasons for not. Oh, no. We'd be terrible at it. They'd be like, yell at me, and I'd just like cry on the floor and be like, why are you yelling at me? And the funny thing is, I was going to. Mm-hmm. I scored really high on my ASVAB, but. I remember when shit. you were going to go into the Air Force Academy and, you know, like, hey, props to you and everything. Uh, my cousin's husband was in the military, the Air Force specifically, for a very long time. He seemed to have had a relatively decent experience. I mean, there's other things, but relatively got a lot out of it. But me? No, 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 no sweetie. Oh, I'm a little thing that complains and fights back. Thinking I would have been burned like a long time ago just for our sass. This second they were like, it's 6 a.m. Get up. I am done. (laughs) (sighs) So we have this little intermission in between like this fight or right after this fight because Rail's like back and woo! Woo! And then we have a scene where Anacostia's just sitting in a diner. And yeah i didn't even write this down you're like anacostia and i was like she's in this episode it's another 30 second scene <laughs> like i don't understand the point of it but it was just interesting enough i did have to write it down so nikta comes in sits next to anacostia i don't even remember what was said honestly but they, they banter both- yeah, they have some banter, and they both kind of like, you know that thing where you're nice to someone, but also like, you're fucking stabbing them with your words? They kind of have that. You know that thing Aries and Libras are great at? They do that. <laughs> <laughs> it was really great to see. Uh, Anacostia leaves. Nikta goes to follow, and then literally everybody in the diner follows Nikta out and I was like oh what was that that's literally why I wrote it down it's like I just want to know what was that there's nothing there's never anything no but also Nikta is never the Nikta we know she's always in that disguise of the other woman so it's very confusing in a lot of ways I mean I feel like it's common enough now but now I'm used to it, but if Nikta was ever actually Nikta again, I don't know if I'd react to it well. I think I'd agree. I'm trying to think of like scenarios, but I, I think I'd find it jarring. I'm like, ah, boy. Well, and then especially if they use like actual Nikta who has like half her face gone as the price work. Yep. So <sighs> goes back to the regular storyline though abigail and adil now catch up with everybody so they're joining thelma's militia they see rael super happy reunion ah, so exciting oh i almost forgot alder does show up again uh yeah. she's actually in tally's room surprise 
naughty. No boundaries. Correct. So <laughs> uh, Tally's going to do the super cool thing where instead of looking forward with her sight, she's going to look to the past what? for this first song, Steward, which is actually a really cool idea. Cut away to Scylla in the back of a truck. She is told that Rael is alive. She's all happy. And then they're like, okay, but like, calm down. Do you, do you realize like you've been captured? You're going into interrogation. So it's like, yes, a bummer, but whatever. Whatevs. And they're like, no, you're going to the place we call the slaughterhouse. And like, you still, his face is just starting to fall. And then credits. Woo. What an episode. You were way more invested in this episode than I was. I had like I, half a page of notes and that's what I mean for a lot of things you said of like that happened. <laughs> but all that aside, let's go into season three, episode eight. I wanted to make a joke here that never truly formed. It's called Petra's Favorite Pen, which is a good name for the episode. But also in season two, I think we had something called like someone's pencil. I think so, but I can't remember exactly. Yeah, so there was there's a joke somewhere in it, hidden in here about the writer's obsession with writing instruments, but I, I never found it. But I wanted to call out that I, I note it. <laughs> Good for you. I didn't tell you said something, but uh, yeah, this yeah. episode title is like, what a weird one. It's a weird like, title. We start, it, it's going and I'm just like, okay, why was it called this? It, it's an immediate, like, we start right back up from where episodes haven't ended. So Tally is still with Alder and she does very quickly. It's just like, Alder's like, I'm going to teach you how to look into the past. And Tally's like, great, I've mastered it. So she does that and she follows the seed to a witch who I don't really know the time of, like the era, I want to say like the Bronze Age to maybe the Silver Age. I don't yep, know. Blue. I think Bronze Age ish. Because I think they're like, they're holding like swords and shit. Yeah. Like they seem sort of like, it's not Viking, but it's also kind of like not really Roman. So, yeah, I want to say like the Xena Age. Yeah. <laughs> I know what that means, but again, we're referencing that. Was it just the 90s, early 2000s? Yeah, no, it was the 90s. It's like, I know it was on like before I was really into it, but also. My mom was obsessed with Vita. So I remember watching it when I was like four years old. So that's like 1997. So. Yes, I with my dad, though. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's the age of Xena. Let's just go with that. And there's a witch woman in this age who's being hunted by these men who have like swords and shit. And they corner her in this ice cave. And then she like sings this song to bury them and then burying herself in the ice to protect herself because like they will never kill her type deal. And uh, the site of Tally. So Tally and Alder decide together that they're going to go recover this witch and her song. To be fair, I have no idea where this witch is. So they might be going to Greenland. They might be going to Greece. They might be going to like the middle of Korea. I have no idea. 
It's north of Germany. Hey, there we go. That's all they say. Thank you, Jade. I'm glad you were here. Um, so then back in the recession, as there it's alders down for this, they're gonna go do this. We're kind of following Abigail, who they've captured all these witches from obviously the civilian slash witch invasion of the session. And they're all extremely injured. So Abigail is trying to basically do triage on them. And then she looks at some of them and sees that they have wounds and burns and such that are like days old. And Abigail notices there's an inconsistency. She's like, this should not be occurring. Where was your fixer? Because they should have gotten to you first. And at this point, we learned that basically the entire army was deployed without medics. Oh so my gosh. It was a death march. They were deployed here to get slaughtered. Terrible. It's how it goes down. Yeah, it's it's a terrible idea. But again, we don't have time to hang on this horrible idea because it's motherland. We got to keep this shit moving. So instead, we cut to the VP who like visits Petra and basically has a hissy fit. A small four-year-old's tantrum, let's call it, about how long this invasion of the session is taking. Because in his head, this should be done by now, and she's a terrible leader, and I'm an awesome leader, and I'm so good at this, so it's your fault. Yeah, he's got the best army, and he's not winning. What the fuck? What's your problem? I, this is so many politicians today, it. It is eerie. Santa's, we're looking at you. <laughs> um, but yeah, he basically has a small tantrum in Petra's office. Obviously, it's Petra. She handles it like a champ and is basically like, you ordered me to do this invasion. I told you not to, and now you're upset of the outcome. I don't know what you want from me. And he's like, I want you to do better. And she's like, fine, I'll go into the field. I'll handle it myself. And he's like, well, don't do that. And she's like, well, I'm getting mixed signals. <laughs> and I love Petra. She's awesome. That's, that's kind of the end of this. So she kind of takes down his little hissy fit like you would a toddler who's upset that like chocolate isn't also made of sprinkles. It's that it's that stupid of an argument, you know, where you're like, yeah, I don't know what you want here. So instead, we kind of have uh, a lot of stupid cutscenes, but I'll just like keep it going. Tally and Alder go to find the frozen witch lady in the frozen cave. They do eventually find her and she's like frozen into a wall, but she has like one hand out that's like a frozen arm. And it punches through. Yeah. And they re- they poetically reminisce about witches. And anyway, we keep going. So basically, again, back in the session, they we have all these injured witches that Abigail's trying to medic because they were sent to their deaths. And we find out that from these witches where Scylla was sent because Rail's now here. We, we got the group mostly back together minus Tally. And they're like, hey, we know your name. 
Scylla was obsessed with you. She's probably dead now, but she was sent to this random building we call the slaughterhouse. And this gets obviously Rael very invested in this idea. So her, Abigail, and Adil decide to go rescue Scylla. Because you gotta. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is the, the best way I can say it. They launch this rescue, which is like mildly stupid. <laughs> um, by which I mean how they get past the preliminary security is Adil and Abigail pretend to be witch recruits who are just really drunk. I don't really know how this works. But it does. They're just regular civilians who are really drunk. Oh, okay. Because it's at a... The interrogation place is actually, like, a civilian school. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it it works. And uh, Adele Rael and Abigail go in and successfully retrieve Scylla. Obviously, there's a ton of fight scenes in this. That I, I don't feel the need to go into. But they kick ass. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, cut back to Tally is still in the ice cave with the ice witch and uh, a alder. And Tally's like, maybe if I connect with her, we can figure out what her song was. So she decides to try to join seemingly with this witch. And then like the ice hand witch like clenches down on the top of Tally's head and Tally's basically psychologically attacked as she sees like all the horrors of the ice witch's life that she continuously relives within this cave and it's slowly freezing her slash killing her and Alder's having a panic attack because she doesn't know what to do because like she really wants this last song because Alder really gives no shits about anyone in this world but she slightly likes Tally (laughs) So as they're like having this panic attack and Tally's dying, Alder grabs a sword from one of the frozen men that once chased this ice witch in the cave and chops off the arm of the ice witch. Yeah, that happened. So ice witch is still like psychologically alive, but we release Tally. And Tally is of course Tally about it where she's like, the horrors that this witch lived. I I can't imagine being stuck here for centuries. Just that's all you see to live this life and she poetically says shit about it is alder's like "Uh uh-huh 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 did you get the song but finally eventually tally decides what the best way to do this is they're going to negotiate with ice witch woman now missing an arm so what she wants to do is trade her sight to the ice witch for the song that she has because that way frozen psychologically imprisoned ice witch can go anywhere and see anything and really heal and learn from life now and they make this agreement and ice witch agrees it's very random it works whatever it works so tally trades her sight Remember that thing that seemed like the huge uh, cusp to Tally's character this whole season was her, like, uncontrollable sight? Uh, It's gone now. 
And instead she has a song that we just learned about. That's gonna save the world. They'll save the world. Tally has a song. Uh, cut back to motherland Fort Salem. Petra's there in her office. Uh, they have the session invasion maps up. She's at her desk. And I don't know this guy's name. Civilian major man. Colonel Jarrett. Colonel Jarrett. Thank you. He's like the main guy in red we've talked about in the past. He's just like a dick to recruits. That's that's the best way I can describe him. He's in the office with her. He's like her main shadow this whole time. The main guy that seems to be like up the VP's ass, I guess. That's a good way to put it. Thanks. I, I'm trying. He's in the office with Petra and they're discussing the invasion. And obviously it's not going well. There's a lot of casualties on their side. And there's like a lot of horrors occurring on the session side. And how did we get to this place where we're literally at civil war, you know? Mm-hmm. So Petra's kind of thinking this over out loud, more or less, is the best way I can describe it. When this general dude is like, well, that's why you're the best military leader we can think of. You're not Alder. You don't try to break rules. You just sit there quietly and take whatever we give you and do whatever the fuck I want. Like I could slap you across the face now and you'd smile and not know what to do next. And I was like, oh, bitch. Oh, shit. He like lays into Petra. And for all of you who have followed us on this podcast, you know how much we love Petra. And I was like, first of all, how dare you say these terrible things to Petra? She is a genius woman who tries to be so good and is just stuck in a terrible situation but also dude you're about to get fucked Mm -hmm. and sure enough one of the best scenes i have ever seen in motherland fort salem i stand by that comment occurs where he's like laying into petra and basically calling her a little wimpy bitch that he could do whatever the fuck he wants to and she would stand there and take it And as he's like going off on this superiority kick over it, she starts tapping her pen on the desk and slowly and surely, very quietly coming to prominence is the sound of a heartbeat that matches the rhythm of her pen. Ah, it was good. (laughs) It was get to the end of the scene though, before I explode. Yeah. I love it. So she keeps tapping the pen and the general starts to the colonel, but yeah, colonel, sorry. Oh uh, no, thank you. The colonel starts to freeze as she speeds up the tapping of her pen and basically very calmly talks back to him and says, you're right. I should have acted sooner. I should have thought more ahead and I'm not going to make the mistakes again and taps her pen extremely fast and then drops it. And he dies. Even better, the pen breaks. Yep. And he dies. Like, he looks very bruised and gross, like, immediately. She like, gave it's him like, a heart attack? She gave him a heart attack, but, like, I think, like, a lot of veins exploded. Oh, yeah. Not just that sort of heart attack. And, like, I've never 
been so enamored suddenly with like an episode title and just this one little scene oh my gosh I was like I because you don't realize it because like they do vocal magic so you don't know that she's like connected it and then it's happening and then it happened and I screamed I, I really did because I, I you know yeah, yeah I was like oh my god oh my god and then he just dies and I was like ah yes <laughs> so happy it's amazing and also the best death we have seen in this entire show what a way to murder seriously like especially since he's well one such an asshole but mm -hmm. two like a general pain in the ass he's a fucking neo-nazi we've talked about at the end of the day i love to see nazis get killed so what a great time yep Oh, it's amazing. I, I, again, this is one of those things where I was like, I wish we did this more. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> so Petra is full on mutinying now. And I love it. I, we love Petra. We back her. And she killed this dude. <laughs> It's one of the best scenes I've ever seen in Motherland, and I stand by it, but let's move on because we had other things to do. So Petra commits murder like a queen, and then we're back in the ice caves where as Tally gets the last song and basically initiates his contact with the ice witch, uh, it reverberates a little in the ice cave and kind of starts making it collapse yeah or like i think they were trying to get at or i hope this is what they're trying to get at because this is literally the most logical thing i could come up with but i i honestly thought about it for a while because it bugged me so much how they i had did no this. idea how we got here yeah because it, it's all collapsing like what the fuck so i think part of the first song was used in this spell and it was like the stability part of the spell. And once the first song got transferred, like, because typically, historically, when a witch dies, her magic stops. Because yeah. like, even if she cast it a while ago, it's her soul sort of still powering that. So now that that witch gave up the first song, passed it along, her spell with the cave is breaking down. So like the cave, climate change is catching up to this cave. Very rapidly. That's as good as an explanation as I could get. And also none of that said, that's just, I needed to rationalize it for myself. I like your explanation. Cause I didn't really have one. I was like, oh, the song like starts breaking down the ice. I, I had very little here. I was just like, sure, why not? Um, it's so stupid because now spoilers so alder gets trapped and tally manages like she gets thrown free and just yeah just, why this didn't need to happen everybody else is still trapped in fucking ice like alder and we've already established that alder can come back because she's like weirdly connected with the mother so like she can kind of just kind of come back and forth whenever like, it's not actually that upsetting that she's stuck there. I, I do like, because, like, as the cave is collapsing, 
Abigail's like, we have to get out. And Alder's like, there's only time for one of us. It has to be you. And Abigail's like, no, I won't leave you. Alder goes, you're a shepherd now. And my life purpose is to protect you. So you must go. And she expels her from the cave in a very dramatic, like, I will give my life for you. But also Alder's immortal. So I was like, this carries no weight. Like, we've seen Alder come back like three times at this point. Yep. I was like, yeah, Tally, get the fuck out of there. Alder's fine. What is the show? We don't have time to discuss that. Uh, so Tally's expelled from the ice cave. Alder nobly sacrificing herself, I suppose, uh, for the greater use of the first song and the shepherds that she must protect. And now she's stuck in here with Ice Witch Girl because the rest of the cave is fine. It just turns out it's like the tunnels cave and I don't know. Something like that. Yeah, whatever. Something ridiculous. We had uh, to have a little bit of intrigue. Yeah, we had to give Tally a reason for going on this stupid mission. A bigger reason, a more dramatic reason. Drama must ensue. Uh, cut back to the session where the army once again comes to confront the session slash Abigail and Rael. And because now they've gotten Stella. Uh, <laughs> So they go into a battle again. I think there was a good time here for the witches to play stupid, but they don't. They just kind of are like, oh, we don't want to be here, but okay. And um, basically a lot of them get hurt slash die. And in this conflict as the witches the witch army is dying. Uh, Abigail is getting more and more frustrated because she's trying to use direct magic on the armor. That's very mirroring. So it just keeps bouncing over and a lot of witches are dying. And then Abigail decides she's fucking done with this shit. So she decides to sing a song that don't get me wrong is badass, but I was also like, why weren't we doing this earlier? So she sings a song to summon a storm. Something we saw first years doing in season one of this show. But this song is cool. By which I mean it hails blades of ice that just murder the people that are left. I love it. I think she was trying to do like her ancestor gems. I think so too. It's not just a regular storm, okay? And then, yeah, she modifies it for the, shoot, what do they call it later in the episode? Razor hail. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. And don't get me wrong. I like to see these terrible, like, neo-Nazis who are like, haha, you can't, you can't affect me. And then, like, hail starts falling. They're like, you're being stupid. It's just the little ice as, like, they start falling to a knee as they're, like, bleeding outward because the ice is just slicing them up. It's a good time. It is. It is. Like, I enjoyed this, but also, like, in the back of my mind, I was like, I feel like this is an easy workaround to that armor. Like, we know witches, one of the first things they're trained to do in the United States Army is summon a tornado. 
how is your armor going to protect you against that? Like you, you're not protected against a twister. And so I was like, yeah, this is an obvious correct. It's always like the, um, in all the superhero movies. Yeah. Like everybody goes to stab for like the chest area Mm -hmm. because like you got to stab the heart, but oh, the hero's wearing like a, armor or something so they can't yeah Yeah. there's always something so the hero can't die and every single time because apparently i'm a villain at heart but i'm just like why don't you go for the face like they're obviously not wearing a helmet just go for the face and you win yeah but no i agree that that was a lot of this well also like the only offensive spells we're seeing the witches use against like the armored people are their weird like scraw ones where they like yell at them and i'm like you have other spells they do and like they have the whip things but yeah. like they're like obsidians gonna... on a whip where i'm like you could take an eye out like yeah I'm like you don't even have to use the spells that go with that but exactly. also I mean, the reason why the actual army recruits are all going down was because the civilians have their collars, their mm-hmm. Camarilla collars, and are using the sky mm-hmm. to throw everybody, which is cray. What a violation. But anywho, it's this whole thing is a clusterfuck for in the scene and also existentially thinking of the situation like it's not that well written again it's it's really cool and I think um separated from like this knowledge that we have this common knowledge we have it's really fun to see Abigail go batshit because we just saw Petra go and go and murder someone with a heart attack so then seeing her daughter create razor hail is like oh man those bellwethers, they're fucking badass. Like, I can give it that. I will give them the rock sign. But if we, like, bring it back into context, it's not that interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a little difficult, but let, let's just go with it. So Abigail murders them. And then Adil's like, oh my God, you're so powerful. And they have a moment. Uh, Tally returns. I don't know how Tally is teleporting. <laughs> like I said, I had no idea where Tally was. I was just throwing random countries out there to like make a point. And then we we're like, I know where she is. She's in Northern Germany. She's now back. Like, I'm like, how did yeah. she get here? And they literally explain it like, she wakes up in bed. Turns out she like she got back to them and then passed out for two days. And then now here we are. We're all starting at this scene together. She crossed the but, Atlantic. Yeah. <laughs> by herself. And that was days ago. So like it's been a while. So like what the fuck? Yeah, we all just like chilled with the body of Tally for a while and no one cared. We could feel a pulse and you know good enough Slash moving if on if we're saying tally like let's just say tally took a flight here we're days past abigail murdering people like 
Yeah, that's old news. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like it's it's past. Like everyone is like, oh, it's like we're still in the midst of this. And I'm like, no, that was like days ago. <laughs> like Petra's been like Petra has a dead body on her hands for a while now. Um, but Tally's returned. She's in the bed. She wakes up and she's like, Alder's dead, and I have the last song. And then Rael and Abigail come in and everyone's reunited and it it's nice because they the whole team's back together and <laughs> then the show gets stupid again <laughs> so the whole team's back together we're, we're fully reunited it's like what can't we do when we have the power of friendship which don't get me wrong I say in a mean voice but I love that moral I watched My Little Pony for a while. I get it. Um, I mean, yeah. It's a common and I think very easily well done. Yeah. Trope. I'm a sucker for it. Like, I I, I appreciate it. Because, you know, as someone who has very close friends, one of which is on this call, uh-huh. I like to think we're like, oh, what can't we do when we're together? Like, we can overcome a lot of problems in our lives because we care about each other. It's a nice little trope and I'm fine with it. But then like Abigail says something where I'm like, Abby, Abby, baby, no, no, we can't. Sorry. Uh, They're all meeting back up. They're all happy to see each other. And Abigail's like, we've gone too far. The death count is too high. We should turn ourselves in. And I'm like, we're past that point, Abigail. I'm sorry. That ship has sailed. Like, I was sitting there as Abigail's like, the the real thing we should do, the proper thing we should do is give up. And I was like, that isn't an option anymore, Abigail, sweetie. Sorry. We're in full out war. Yeah. I remember I was feeling very much like we could have saved so much. So issue. much time. But like at the same time, you you wouldn't have been at the same bargaining position, so to say. I just, you know what? What the fuck ever. Like I honestly, I didn't necessarily have strong. I feel like I should have maybe had strong feelings about it, but I didn't. I my only strong feeling was I feel like that window of opportunity has passed. You know, like you know, like in in real life slash in video games and stuff where it's like you can negotiate or take an offensive. And if you take the offensive for too long, then the negotiation option is off the table because we've come too far. That's how I, that's where I feel like we are. Like the whole idea of turning yourselves in. Yeah, you can, but the session is still invaded and they still have a foothold here. Like we've come too far. What does it accomplish? The session already turned on the states. Like, they already harbored fugitives. They already have this war. Like, you might as well keep fighting. (laughs) But uh, I'm not in the room (laughs) to say these things. So the group all looks really solemn. And, like, Rael takes Silla's hand and is like, you're right. The death toll is... it hurts the mother and we should turn ourselves in. 
So together as a team, they they decide that they're going to contract contact Petra and turn themselves in to the United States Army. What Ooh. have we done this whole season? <laughs> yeah. That's the end of the episode. So that's why I yeah. I, I leave it with so, the question of what so the So they fuck. do it they do it with media coverage, which actually, like, I really like. It's like, oh, so they have proof. So, like, Blanton can't just mm-hmm. have them murdered, really, is yeah. the bottom line. Like, they actually have to go to trial. Yeah, that's the top of the next episode is all that. But That yeah. too. But it ends with this. And then also the other stupidest thing happens is, like, because the group is literally, like, at the borderline standing in a line just talking to themselves before they cross over and right now is when Rael turns to Scylla will you marry me oh yeah great timing not the moment not the moment Rael she agrees woo and then they give themselves over so all right and then we move on to episode nine titled but I don't even have a dress Hmm. Such a terrible title. It's hmm. such a terrible title. So yes, uh, the group by which I mean Scylla, Rael, uh, Abigail, and Tally decide to all give themselves into the United States Army. So they're at the session borderline. All media coverage is there because these are this is the unit that murdered the VP's daughter. You forgot that was a narrative point because I sure as hell did. I was like, why do we care again? Right. That kid that died, but she's not really dead. It's very confusing. Um, so they're using basically, as you said, media coverage to kind of protect themselves. Because obviously if they're all, if they're outright shot at the session border, like it's going to look terrible. Which is smart. This is the part where like clever moments come in where I was like, oh, good job. Uh, Rael and Scylla are now engaged. Abigail and Adil. I don't actually know where Adil is at this point. Turning himself in. Is he also turning himself in? I was I was uncertain. Okay. Um, they're like tentatively engaged. They basically keep going back and forth about like, ah, we should have kids, but maybe also get married. We don't know. It's very confusing. And then Tally is now the shepherd of the last song because it turns out we didn't know what to do with Tally. So that's fun. Um, So they decide to give themselves over. Petra, who is now, you know, a murderess. I love her for it is at the borderline and comes to make the arrest personally, which looks really good for the United States military, but is also great for Abigail. Like it's her mother. And she basically states that she's going to try to keep them in witch custody as long as humanly possible. And she's going to do all she can to keep the custody of them and possibly make it a military trial. Because Petra is a dream but also is immediately not of use. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the episode is like, Petra where? Petra who? What? Hey, you. Get to the good parts. 
Uh, We're sick of this trial already. So we cut away from this arrest, though. They're arrested and taken back to Fort Salem slash D.C., I think. I don't really know where this trial is happening. And we cut to a cabin in the blizzards of the woods. Yeah. It's strange. And who happens to be in this cabin in the woods? Well, our favorite fucking people known as M. President Wade and the Marshal. I was oh, happy. I snap. squealed again. I squealed again. I was like, oh, it's our, it's our, it's our crew. Me too. Because, like, they were building it up, but then, like, other stuff, like, they put too much focus on other stuff in between. So it's like, Oh, yeah, I forgot. Oh, yay, here they are. Anytime I'm on screen, I, I, I scream. <laughs> I'm like, ah, they're back. <laughs> and we get some explanation. It's good. I like yes. it. So it turns out as they were on the run that they basically the marshal felt some of his other compatriots die. And it really injured him and they were in a car accident because of it because he could not navigate the blizzard and also suffer multiple deaths at the same time valid you know Mm -hmm. uh so wade's been unconscious for a while as em's been taking care of her the marshal's been unconscious as well but they think he's recuperating from like the death of the other marshals and em's just kept them in this cabin the whole time and Wade wakes up and is like, well, what do we do? Like, do we have gas? Do we have wood? Do we have food? What, what's the plan? To which we learn that they're out of gas. They, they used it to basically heat themselves and slash get them here and got them to the cabin. They have a couple days left of firewood and they've been out of food. Yeah, they're completely snowed in. They have no food and they have one day of firewood yep. left. So party to which i someone who grew up in a small town near the sierras had horrible flashbacks to the time i had to read that book in elementary school about the donner party Mm. right i think it's called like so and so's doll or something yeah something like that i don't remember exactly i wasn't as traumatized as you were but also we have different views on cannibalism. Traumatizing no. historic. I don't handle it well. I can watch zombie movies. I've watched The Ring. I've watched In- um, Insidious, I think it's called is. I've watched a ton of horror movies. Like I, there was once upon a time where I just watched horror films for like two years straight. They were my shtick. Um, the second cannibalism comes involved, I'm out. I'm I'm done. I can't do it. Turns out I have scarring from that novel. Thanks, third grade. Woo! You're a delight. Uh, yeah, Sebastian Stan was in that cannibalism movie recently. I love Sebastian Stan. Not gonna do it. I was out. I don't even know what movie you're talking about because I I don't fuck with things that are slightly too suspenseful or tensiony. Yeah, don't don't worry about it. Got enough um, anxiety as it is. But anyway, I was immediately like, oh, fuck no, um, and had intense fear for them. But we cut away from our cabin in the woods, our Blizzard team heroes, as the rest of the team, uh, by which I mean Scylla, Abigail, and Tally, have been arrested, taken into custody, and Tally's been going under interrogation. 
So Tally is now just returned and she looks terrible. Not like she's been like physically beaten, but like you've run five miles and then someone handed you 12 shots of tequila. Interesting comparison. Yeah. Yeah. That that's the best way I can describe it where you look like shit, but not because there's a bruise or a cut. Uh, it turns out the rest of the group slash team has been through the same realm of interrogation. And it seems mostly mental slash psychological where they're being very careful not to leave physical marks on them as they are about to go into a film's trial. OMG. Yeah, we kind of follow our team as they decide what approach they're going to take during the trial. Obviously, they're going to try to be honest and make claims and, you know, make the right way for the witches. But this is interspersed with uh, cuts of the VP with like his Camarilla booties and the judge of the trial who are like, we set the whole thing up and it's all a ruse. And I was like, well, fuck this episode. Yeah. I think this could have been a great episode. I think it could have been really interesting if the trial actually had merit. Like, but because we're immediately told we're going to go to trial, but the trial's already corrupt, that I was like, there's no tension. Anything they do is a failure. Like, there, there's not a reason to be here. I don't know. I wanted a Star Trek next gen trial where we decide what it is to be a person slash the rights we hold and they instead were like nah it's just corrupt and it's all theater and I was like but can we have a real trial no uh the main course of the trial for the VP as he says I know he's the president but just everyone bear with me uh the VP is like all we really have to make sure is that in this trial we do not make the unit martyrs that's our one goal. They have dismissed any actual like audience members for media. So the whole trial is what's the word I'm like televised. Televised. Thank you. I'm like publicized. <laughs> that didn't seem right. Televised. And they do have an actual jury, which also then confuses me because I was like, so is the jury also bought? Yeah, it's what, like, they say they have a jury, but, like, I didn't see them. Yeah. And it seems like it's just the judge deciding, so Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going on. Whatever. I agree. Uh, We're about to go into Nikki's rant number two, which is this trial. Oh, Lord, help us all. strap in. Yes. Um, So, basically, the trial is corrupt. The judge is bought. The whole thing is televised. The main goal is to not make them martyrs. There's a jury, but we don't know them slash know what they do in this trial because it feels like they should pass down a verdict, but maybe not. So let's move on to Alder. Miss her? We sure did. Oh, totally. So much. Oh, my God. I'm constantly throughout Fort Salem being like, Alder, give us more. Remember in season two, how I said, uh, this only sticks with me because season two was a complete and total blur. How when Alder died, I was like, wow, these writers were really betting on that we loved her. And we didn't. 
it's season three double downs on that. They're like, look, it's your favorite character. And I feel like we're just like, yay. Oh, wow. She came back to life, basically. Like, I totally didn't know she could do for the 15th time. time. Yeah, I'm so glad that that dictator is still alive. Woo. Yeah. <laughs> So we double down on that. Alder's still alive. She's in the cave. It just, all her exits are cut off, but she's there in the cave with the ice witch. And um, she's going to try to get out. So she says she's going to try to use a song that she knows. And don't get me wrong. Again, the sound design in the show is pretty, pretty on point. Like we had that whole heart moment last episode. I I don't know if we changed sound directors or what, but man, are they like fucking killing it? Cause we have the heart heart moment with the pen. And then Alder's like, I'm going to try something. I'm going to try to sing a song to collapse the cave and hopefully get me out, but also might kill ice, Witch woman who's in it. But she's like, eh, you're millions of years old anyway. And like, fucked. like, let's just try it. So she starts singing a song and it is really beautiful. Like I was like, this is an epic vocal moment to whoever is actually singing that song. Props. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's all I can say on this scene. Thank you. As we cut away to the actual trial. I I wanted to cover this, but also I want to state as a disclaimer, you are about to have a Libra who took pre-law for a year, did model UN for two, and speech and debate for four, try to describe a trial. And an Aries doesn't entirely care anymore, having to listen to it again. Great. So if I get snippy, I apologize in advance, Nikki. But I am not going to let you go too far into your rant that I know is about to explode. Out I'm, gonna, I'm trying really hard to contain myself. I, I promise. I can see the effort. Yeah. But still, I know. <laughs> so the trial is Scylla, Rael, Abigail, and Tally, which also seems wrong because it feels like Scylla should be tried separately for terrorism. But I guess we're going to include her in the murder trial that she had no part in. Um, Why not? And they're like all contained behind like one of those glass like mirror shields that alters in and just like constantly on stand, which seems again wrong. Uh, again, I, I'm sorry, but I'm going to point it out. This whole thing seems wrong because I think they're being tried in what appears to be a civilian court when it should be a military court as the crime they're being accused of is a military crime. Yeah, I felt the same. Like, this is very civilian court, civil case, not even like criminal case. Like, fine, I can get crazy geopolitical situation where it's not being tried as a military tribunal it's instead criminal case but like they're not even doing a criminal case they're doing like a civil case really Uh, this is just like a crazy ass deposition yeah it gives like judge judy vibes 
almost where I was like, this feels so out of place. Yeah. Um, as we stated earlier there, we never see the jury. So we don't even really know what's going on there. Um, also there's a prosecution team. Like there's a prosecution attorney who is just like laying into them, which makes me feel like they're in cross, but also I don't know why they're on the stand right now. If, if you have no idea what's going on in court trials, those were a lot of words I just threw at you. So basically court systems have multiple steps in them. You have like opening statements by defense and prosecution where it's like, this is why these people should be found guilty. This is why these people should be found innocent. And then you oftentimes bring evidence slash witnesses slash other people for your team. These can be doctors, scientists, what have you. And then usually you start bringing actual witnesses in who will be like the, sometimes the defense will take the stand. It's actually kind of rare. Um, but you will like bring up people for either side and depending on like which side is calling. So if the prosecution is like, they did it and here's our witness, they'll pull up the witness and then they'll ask questions to the witness. They're usually like, what were you doing that night? Can you describe the person you saw? Yada, yada. And then once they're done questioning them, we go into cross, which is when the defense will stand up and try to poke holes in the argument by questioning the witness again. Why it's called cross-examination, because it's like we're crossing paths. OMG. These are weird knowledges I know, (laughs) which is why I don't really know why the prosecution is like immediately interrogating the defense because it seems wrong and here is the main thing that i i've been like burying the lead on it doesn't seem like they have a defense attorney yeah (laughs) and like even if if this is a military trial they should have military defense like you know like a military representative is brought up to defend you if this is a civil or actual criminal civilian trial they have the right to an attorney. <laughs> I don't know why they don't have one. Ah. I I have nothing to add that will be productive. So, yeah. Thank you. Um yeah, so the the prosecuting attorney who is the VP's like attorney person is just kind of laying into them and they're doing that typical courtroom drama thing where they're not like letting them answer questions where it's like isn't it true you murdered the their that the vp's daughter and they're like well and they're like and isn't it true you know it's it's that situation where which i guess is courtroom drama but honestly is so irritating to watch it's not entertaining the way people think it is it's much more entertaining to hear a response and have creative answers to it it it's very it's very uninteresting to just have someone like steamroll 
someone else. It's just like, yeah, they're just being dicks. Like that's, that's the moral of this. So again, there's, there's not a lot of tension here. Cause we don't know if the jury does anything. There's no defense attorney. The judge is bought and the witches can't speak. So we don't really know why we're here. There, there's no tension. There's no like, this will make or break them. It's just like, yeah, this is just a waste of time. Which is why I was very, very sad. And so basically we go into this and the witches decide they have one shot. The bellwether unit has one thing they can do to make themselves sound good, which is make a epic speech that please their case because otherwise this is the end for them. And instead of handing it off to Abigail, who I thought we were, because Abigail is oftentimes the most good at talking. Wow, that was also really Yeah, most I know. Good at I was like, this is a terrible, I can't think of the word. Oh, eloquent. Well, eloquent. Thank you. I was like, she's better at talking than I am right now. She's like the most persuasive. You know, she's in the level of political class that you think of. Like the Bellwether name holds merit in the same way the Kennedy name holds merit today is the best way I can think of it. So I was like, oh, we're going to let Abigail like take the stage and plead the case because she was the one who most wanted to do good in the military and came here for a purpose and feels like she can fulfill it. But no, we give it to Raelle. Yeah. So I really like, though, how they they call out this bullshit that like, hey, you, you keep asking us questions and then cutting us off. If you could let us like finish a thought, we could all have a real discussion. And so, you know, we see Silver like nod to the judge that, yeah, okay, let them have it. Let them say a piece. Yeah. Yeah. And they choose Raelle. Whatever. You know, it ends up working, sort of. Yeah, they choose Raelle because they say she is a foot in both worlds because she grew up in the session. Her mother was a witch military, but her father was a civilian. So they're like, they'll understand you. But also, that's expecting the masses to really know a lot of background on Raelle. Which I feel like I would not as a casual viewer. I'd be like the blonde one. Uh, so Riel gives this speech about how she grew up in the session and her mother was a fixer and she never wanted to join the military, but she's glad she did because she realized that it was to make a difference in the world and they never wanted to hurt anyone slash get this far. It's your typical trial speech i i really don't know what else to say about it yeah yeah it it's so not rememberable which is really sad because this was actually a chance for the writers to like really flex and i feel like they, they had nothing which is pretty disappointing again like i'm someone who really likes this kind of style i've I was pre-law for a year. I was really considering being a lawyer. I did all that shit. Slash, I grew up with a dad who really liked Star Trek. You know what a lot of Star Trek is? Trials. 
if you watch old Trek, by which I mean, original series, next generation, deep space nine, a lot of it is we call a moral on trial and we debate it. And I, I'm not bringing this up to be like, go watch Star Trek, but also go watch Star Trek. But I feel like a, I liked a lot of those episodes that might have been what got me into law as a kid. But to this day, a lot of them were so well-written, so poignant. I could probably quote a piece of them to you. Like I could tell you a, a point of them and like word to word quote, basically something that was very deep and insightful. And this felt like it was that moment and they muffed it. <laughs> you you say that like you're surprised. I'm not surprised. I'm motherless. just disappointed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Riel gives this epic speech and the VP and the judge look like shook, but still confident, you know, where it's like, oh, that was good. It wasn't. Um, and they're like, what if public opinion turns on us? But also they know that they've like fought the judge and I suppose the jury, I'm guessing. So it doesn't really matter. And the VP is like, haha, say what you want. No matter how good it is. I am victorious. Uh, mustache twist, mustache twist. <laughs> then the best thing in the fucking world happens. Wait, As- hold on. Mm-hmm. Sorry. As you're about to say, as <clears throat> comes in the door. Yeah. I really like how, like, Rael's like, shit, I can't even remember the line. Rael says it, though, that, like, we actually saved Wade from that explosion. And everybody's like, well, where is she? Like, you're a liar because you can't produce Wade. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Tonight, I would like to introduce President Wade as the doors to the courtroom open and President Wade, Emma the Marshal, march in like the heroes they are. Great timing. Man, I this might have been one of the best things I've seen or I was so done with this show that this was a shot of adrenaline to my heart. I don't know which. I think it's the second one. At least a little bit more for me. But Wade makes like a Miss Piggy level entrance where she just comes swaggering in and it's like, you called? And all hell breaks loose, more or less. Emma's there looking like a star, being like, I got them out of the cabin in the woods. What next? The marshal's there to represent the session. It's a great time. Wade uh, calls out the VP for basically being a war criminal, which he is, and calls for his arrest because uh, it turns out the Bellwether unit is the best fucking shit she's ever seen, and uh, VP is a war criminal. Ooh, bam! Yeah, real shot of adrenaline to the episode. I am dead serious. Yeah, wholeheartedly agree because it's just sort of like we know it's a scam, but like it's frustrating to see how that quote-unquote trial was a scam, mm-hmm. and then like immediately we're just pushing that off 
the Jenga tower. That's not a problem anymore. And we're back at it. Moving right along. Yes. So we basically cut to what is a news promo of Wade is reinstated as president, obviously, because she's not dead. So she's standing at the podium with the presidential seal doing a press conference where she calls out the VP and all of his buddies for being war criminals and says that she will not allow this country to fall into the state. And she has pardoned the bellwether unit for any discretions as they have saved her life. I believe she calls out M for being a fucking hero and also re establishes, I guess I'm trying to think of a better word, uh, that the session is independent and that she will navigate their independence and help for them to be more independent and a strong ally to the United States in the future. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So basically Wade comes in and cleans house. Thank God. Very efficiently. Yes. Yes. Uh, the VP is arrested. The Camboree is arrested. That random blonde woman who was like a mining owner is arrested. I thought she was going to play a bigger part of this. Well, see, I feel like episode 10, we're going to see her some more. Maybe. She, she's like the actual head of the Camarilla. Yeah. So I think shit's going to go down. I but never we'll see bothered to learn her name and I felt terrible for that but now she's just being arrested so I'm like maybe it didn't matter um so she cleans house with the Camarilla the bellwether unit is pardoned for any past crimes Petra is accommodated for being an amazing general of the United States army and trying her best in a trying time slash saving her fucking life with the assistance of M, I assume M's going to become uh, head of Wade's secret security because, like, if she doesn't at this point, like, they've been wronged. <laughs> I mean, yeah, she basically is. They basically are. I yeah, I'm like, her. they, they well. should be the head of, of the president's security at this point. Like, they've done so much. Um. No, we 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 are constantly trying to correct ourselves on their pronouns. We're usually ninety percent of the good sent good, but sometimes we're like he and she. And when we get too excited, yeah, it's really when we get excited. And honestly, I did the same my entire life when I worked at In and Out and stuff. When I was like really busy or I'd get really excited, I would just choose a pronoun and go with it. And I think it really upset some people and it was not meant to be against them. It was just like, I got things to do. Let's keep moving. (laughs) Uh, But yes, we applaud them and we really hope they become head of security. Otherwise they've been wronged, you know, and Wade's back in power. VP is in jail. I feel like we could close the show here, but unfortunately there's more. One. The funny thing is, it's at this point, like, like basically that was its own episode because from here, the episode is dramatically different. And the episode feels like the end of a series. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like, honestly, these halves should have flip flop because, like, the end of the episode feels like how they start the episodes usually. I and agree. 
that beginning was very evocative, really, honestly, because like first I was way too frustrated with the trial and the stupidity of it. And then with Wade coming back with just like her hitting Blanton is just going to like be in that almost redeemed so much. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah. Wow. Cannot believe. Oh, and also I really like how Blanton Silver is, you know, XVP because Nikki looks like she doesn't know exactly (laughs) who I'm talking about. Not to call you out. No, but, I, I, I get what you mean later. Yeah. Uh, he's in the same cell that I was just said the trio. They're not the trio anymore. The four of them. Yeah. The Bellweather unit the and Zoa were kept in. So how's that for justice? Um, I, I will say, I think something that is like blatantly obvious during this episode, which is to their benefit slash detriment is that the actors slash actresses who play uh, President Wade M and the Marshal are really fucking talented. Like they're really strong performers, which means the small amount we get of them is really hard hitting. It's like, oh, like that's, we started where we're like M's in a cabin with the president and the marshal and how will they get out? And we like, we spent way too much time on one scene. If that had been Alder scene, we would have just like not even talked about it. Um, but it being though that trio, they're so good that it's like anything they do, you're just like, oh yes, please talk to me more. But then we have to do so much bullshit with the rest of the team and it, unfortunately capitalizes that they're not as strong as this trio and it kind of makes it worse yeah yeah so anywho to the rest of honestly episode 9.5 because (laughs) i still can't believe it's the same episode the tone change is just ridiculous 100 percent so there's a reason we cut it here like in these last couple shows we've done we've been like oh we're gonna cut the last episode in half and we kind of just choose the halfway point and do it this episode it was like we gotta cut it here because it's a new episode Mm -hmm. hey do you remember that guy that that male witch that tally was flirting with and season one with all the smooth but not so smooth tricks it turns out and then oh he came back in season two as like part of the war college one of the miraculous few guys that got in he was competing with all the other guys to To date abigail yeah i to which my notes say hey what's his name returns yeah thank god they say his name Gregorio, Gregorio, how are you actually? Oh! I never Hey! He's still a thing. Holy shit, I forgot all about him. So, turns out, he's getting back from- Same here. He's getting back from prison. Uh, He was actually quite heavily interrogated for associating with the Bellwether unit. And Tally's just giving him the bedroom eyes. Hardcore. Yeah, like, oh my gosh, you did that for us. I'm so sorry. And he's like, it's a badge of honor now. 
again, I, this sounds terrible. I, I do kind of like this actor and I do kind of appreciate this character. I think he could have been interesting, but we did not have enough time. If we had more time, the interest of someone who was once part of the unit, who was deserted and then arrested, who continued to back the unit through this entire bullshit, a fascinating character. Like a interesting story of a POW that we did not get. (laughs) Or even like if he was brought up at all during any of this, like that would have been good enough for me. The fact that the last time we saw him was like when before Penelope died. Um this is so random, but you know what? Everybody's pairing off, so Tally needs to have a love interest. We can't I, leave her behind. Well, Bring him back. I did kind of like them as a couple in season two. Like I was like, "Ooh, they're flirty and they're cute. I like them." I agree, and like I agree too that he is a good character and huh. a good actor. And if he was given more, I think he could have done more. But even just like the small comment where, like, you know, when we were in the session. And M and the and Wade show up, and we have I think it's the solstice episode. I don't know, I don't remember, but it's when M and um, Yule. Yeah, yeah, it's the Yule Jeez. episode. Yeah, okay, great. So I was I was on point, and you know how M and Tally have those like heart to heart moments. Even if we just thrown in a throwaway line that Tally asked about him. Where it was like, you were on the base longer than me. Do you know what happened to Gregorio? And M had been like, he was taken away. I think he was interrogated. No one knows what happened to him. He's assumed dead or something. Like a throwaway line like that, where we could have gotten a reaction from M and Tally. And it would have been like a, a deeply sad moment to triumph now would have been excellent but it it never happened freeform call me so yeah he's back badge of honor what do you do uh so Scylla hey you also remember how Scylla has that one lighthouse and somewhere on the northeast coast that is like her safe spot she loves and she if she can get away to it, like, that's the spot. Fuck Soul's Lighthouse. Yeah, well, she and Rael are there for, like, their honeymoon before their wedding. All we really see of it is, obviously, these two are naked, wrapped in a sheet in bed together. They're talking. Freeform naked, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah. Family TV show innuendo. Riverdale-esque, some would say. <laughs> Um, thankfully that's relatively brief because it's honestly, it's boring and we cut over to it. It's sweet, but we don't like Scylla. That's kind of the end of this. Like we've never come around on her like Jade more so than me. But even then it's kind of like, this is kind of just like, oh, rail's happy. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. So the wedding though. It's happening actually at the Bellwether family estate, which is fancy. And I'm, I'm so happy we're back at the estate because we liked the wedding episode once upon a time. So I was like, oh my God, we're back. 
back. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. I, I, this, I enjoyed. I was like, yes, like the venue. We, we have a mansion. This time, Rail, this time, Abigail's cousin won't die. We hope. I mean, she's already dead. <laughs> I mean, another cousin, I mean. Yeah, that's, that's true. But this time, we, we seem confident. <laughs> yeah. Well, and very conveniently, Alder and Kalita magically show up. Cool. Kalita actually went and saved Alder. We don't really get a whole lot of story, but that's what happened. I 100% forgot about Kalita. Rude. Yeah, she showed up and I was like, oh, fuck. Sorry, girl. I, well, to be fair, I, I constantly forget about Kalita. And it's nothing against her or her character or anything. It's just we get more at Dill. So I'm, I'm more invested in him. And whenever Kalita shows up, I'm like, you're kind of just a plot device. Sorry, sweetie. All right, I guess I can give you that one. But one thing we didn't mention in the last episode, because it's kind of a throwaway, but when, or technically at the end of, yeah, at the end of eight, sorry. Um, when they are giving themselves up, like Adil and Abigail have that, like, oh, they also want to give, they'd like to get married. They're both very open to that. But not until Kalita's back. Like, she has to be found safe, and then we can really think about this. Oh my gosh, Kalita's back. So then they convince Abigail to make this a double wedding. I liked it because I like Adele and Abigail. So I was like, yeah, guys, get married. Love you both. But also, I was really enjoying Abigail as the wedding planner because she was so me. Like, she's trying to plan this wedding for her best friends. And the whole time, she's just like, yeah, the flowers go inside in the vases like any human being would think of. And I just I was having like flashbacks to your wedding when I was trying to like set the tables. And I went back and had to redo the tables of some of your bridesmaids. You don't know how to properly set a table, you fool. And I was just, I was Abigail for like half a second here. And I was like, "Ah, I've been worse people. (laughs) (laughs) Also, you're welcome that all your tables were properly uh, Victorian era set for your wedding. Thank you, because that's what I was doing. It was very important to you, I know. Slash, I um, mean, yes. (laughs) It wasn't, but also like, that's just how you do it. Anywho. Uh, so, <laughs> double wedding. Sure, I'll do it. But I, wait, no, I can't. But I don't even have a dress. Oh my god, they said the episode title. Ah, it happens! Alright, fuck you. How meta. <laughs> oh, hey, it turns out Abigail's grandma has had, like, it's a family heirloom dress, but it's not it was picked out specifically for abigail i think okay but this this yeah this i liked and was sweet because it's a family heirloom dress but it's a direct descended dress so that's why her cousin didn't wear it yeah because it's the dress her mother wore and her grandmother wore so it's not like a just like generational dress it is just like their their direct lineage 
and her grandmother who's like slowly become awesome mostly because she's like befriended Wade again and it's just like we've gotten over our shit and realized we're great and I'm like it's true it's true lady you are it's just like I just brought it just in case and I'm like oh lady I love you like we'll have whiskey sours later I can tell <laughs> yes I mean it takes place at her house but I- she had it like pre-prepared it's mm-hmm. clean it's ready like they just gotta make tiny little chest adjustments to it's fit more Abigail. Or less altered yeah yeah it's, it's great i i enjoyed it where i was just like oh they knew you were gonna marry adil and they were like we're gonna make preparations in the background but don't worry no pressure <laughs> yeah i love it which is a huge change from the like you're having children immediately mm-hmm. whether you want it or not yeah I like that they've come around to like just team Abigail where they're just like we just want you to be happy and this guy seems to love you so we're just yeah. in the background gonna scheme but you you do you think we're just here when you need us like don't don't you worry sweetie definitely like Tia vibes this has definitely got latina auntie written all over it oh there's a lot of uh even like jewish vibes in this where it's just like oh sweetie don't you worry we happen to have this from your nana (laughs) and it's like what it's like don't worry your papa has already approved this (laughs) (laughs) oh good yeah no, I, I loved this. We started a lot of Motherland Fort Salem being really hard on the Bellwethers. Like, we first met Petra and we hated her. We first met Pet, uh, the grandmother of Abigail, Petra's mother, and we hated her. And now we've come full circle where we're just like, the stars of the show are the Bellwethers. <laughs> like... Yeah, because they actually had some character development where they were no longer just obnoxious hard asses. They're sort of personal crazy yeah i agree um yeah cool thing that happens with the ceremony though president wade officiates like how high atlantic for sure right Damn, the president of the united states officiates this double wedding holy shit i was also like man she got her online certificate real fast What you can't do is the president. If you, if I ever got married, if you were not going to be my maid of honor, which let's be real, you will be, um, mm-hmm. I would have you officiate because like we're that close, but you will be my maid of honor. You have to fight my friend who we met for Chinese that one time. Yeah. Yeah. We've but already had this discussion. You'll Jeez. win. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Nikta actually snuck into this wedding, sort of. She won't run from Wade as President Wade's confronting her. Uh, She didn't like the match for this fire, but she definitely added some fuel to, you know, what's it's burning the world right now. By which I mean heading a terrorist organization for some years. Yeah. Like, it was bad, and I do appreciate that she does, in fact, own up to it, and we're already having a little bit of resolution with her. It's like, 
it feels completely out of the blue with her. It, honestly, with her character, kind of been sliding slightly because she did actually kind of help find President Wade with her bats or birds or whatever the hell animal she controls. But still, this is big. It like, gives it gives the vibe of we're trying to wrap up. She heads a terrorist organization. <laughs> But she recognizes that maybe trying to create a segregation between the witches was maybe not the best idea she's ever come up with. Yeah. And so now she just wants to, like, have all of the spree knowledge put towards defeating the Camarilla. And honestly, she doesn't care that she doesn't, like, there's no way she can be pardoned for anything. She'll die happy. Yeah. Cool. But she's like, she's decades old. She's really old. So I'm kind of like, you know, girl, maybe it's your time. Like, yeah. Um, now we kind of go back to this is the end of the episode. We're going back to sort of that feeling at the beginning. We've got tension now. Hurst breaks Silver out of prison. Uh, the Cambodia were... doctor for those who are not keeping up on names like I'm not oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. who did the focal cord switcheroo surgery yada yada sang a so... weird song <sighs> we're not talking about that <laughs> so they invade Fort Salem um, I thought they were going for Penelope because like they're in that room no 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 even better that just happens to be like a happy circumstance for them that they can use this puppet some more i assume isadora head necro woman is obviously down here in this chamber like she's been that's basically where she lives like we all know this honestly this is her office this is where she lives between the entire show pretty much um she gets her throat cut. Like, she has a good fight, but she does end up dying. And so she's, like, laying there gasping as she's bleeding out, and it's just, like, I don't understand why they stood with it for so long. We didn't need that. It's a bummer. I'm also, like, she's, like, the best necromancer, if not in the world, in the United States. Like, are we really killing our necromancer? Like, it just, it felt wrong. I was just like, you, you're gonna kill, like, a, a lich? No. No. I I was very unimpressed by it and felt like it was just, like, a stupid time. I agree. Well, the real reason, though, that the invaders are here. Uh, so remember how Isadora has that special access to the Mother Mycelium? Yeah, so they go and they attack it. And we cut over to Rael, who her eyes are now glowing, and the blood starts pouring out of her mouth. And end scene. Roll credits. Okay. Damn. So that's the end of the episode. Yeah. So, yeah. Like seven, there's parts of eight. And then I think just the fact that, like, episode nine is such a, 
what feels like a hard split and then like at the very end we return back to the drama like it's just jarring it's not necessarily super great but hey we only have one more fucking episode we're cool we're cool it, it's true and we didn't even really talk about it but a lot of the episode was taken up where after the marriages happen that they just like have a campfire where like Rael sings a song of love oh, and they yeah. just like it a lot of this episode is just it feels like a wrap-up where it's just like look how happy we are we're all in love and we're just gonna show that and I was like if this was the end of the series I could happily end it here the fact that it's not is strange yeah so I didn't I forgot to bring it up because honestly like watching the show it didn't feel like it felt like it mattered but I do remember when I was originally watching the show Rail's character singing just felt like like what they used to do with the Disney stars. I was like, thinking the same thing. I, I was like, like, it was a Selena she, Gomez, Demi Lovato moment. Like, yeah, I'm like, does she have like a CD coming out? Like, they have to put in this little plug so we can show her talent. Like, that's what this feels like. This is completely unnecessary. And she has really, it's a really talented section. Yeah. Very well done. But like, completely unnecessary. It's, really pointless I don't it's so random like it's literally like they're all like paired up at this campfire like basking in love and Scylla's like your father gave me this guitar and it's just she pulls it out of nowhere and it's like Rael won't you sing a song for us and I was like what why <laughs> like like, I feel like we have not done enough to establish in the last couple seasons that Rael secretly wants to be a pop star <laughs> to, like, make this happen, where I was just like, this feels very camp rock. So, Nikki, any other... I feel like he... I mean, as per usual, you gave us all your thoughts. Have anything else before I um move us right along? I don't. I think we can. I think we can move these three episodes right along. Of just like, okay. I I feel like weirdly the show is over. Just about. So that's fine. Uh, b- before our little show ends this time, Nikki, my witch on the couch. What have you been drinking tonight? I went slightly off the rails. Maybe blame the show. Maybe blame my week. Um, I've been drinking screwdrivers this entire episode. When? Thank you. Uh, so that's been what's kind of getting me through. You know, it's nothing fancy, but it's what I have in my apartment at this point. So here we are. I tried to make something fancy and it was terrible. So I threw it out and made this instead because no one could judge me yeah you can't go wrong exactly so uh jade what have you been drinking texas has crazy weather and i got to experience that for like three forking hours longer than that gosh oh my gosh sorry now that i think about it uh just before we were recording this in fact actually i wasn't even sure if i was gonna have internet let alone power to be able to record this it was really up in the air yeah yeah uh 
so I had coffee first, and then I had cherry limeade sparkling water. Hey. Because if I had alcohol, like I was tired before this from just like all the mental exertion of tracking the storms and just making sure that we're safe because we were under tornado watch and also like giant hail was coming down a few towns over and like that storm cell was coming to us. And then a tornado did in fact touch down by my old work the next town over. Like ah. shit was cray. We got half inch size hail that thankfully only lasted like five minutes. <sighs> when it storms, boy, is it forking storm. Texas does not like you. Uh, I mean, it does because like I haven't actually had a tornado. So I think that's a huge win. Like one, the, the one has gone by 10 miles away, but that was it. <laughs> Anywho. So yeah, uh, if I had alcohol, I was going to fall right the fuck to sleep before we got anywhere near the end of discussing this. So <laughs> completely understand that. So no, coffee no and water for me. Woo adulting. <laughs> <laughs> but if you can't adult anymore, if you can't, you know, okay. I never, I always like to segue and I never have a real good segue. I apologize. But y'all know by now that I feel very strongly about the suicide hotline and mental health in general. I have issues. I have had family that have died by suicide. Um, it's not the way to go. And I know when you get super deep, dark down, like it seems like it is, it's not. So if you're so deep, dark down, that you are contemplating suicide, I encourage you to reach out to the suicide hotline. Now you can dial 988 to get connected. You can also text them at 988 and get connected, which is huge because, hey, you know, you're probably a millennial like me. Um, I fucking hate phone calls. And I have worked in a like a phone bank company and also done all like I've I get phone calls in a business sense. Fucking hate it. Anywho. Uh you also, if you if you don't feel comfortable reaching out to the suicide hotline, that's fine. Still got other resources. So there is a 24-7 more general crisis hotline. Um you can text them at 741-741. You also can walk into a local ER and tell them you're having suicidal ideations and they can definitely get you like checked in and talking to someone that way as well. Again, it's like that point, I've, I've been deep dark down. It's hard to talk about it. And honestly, like sometimes it's hard to recognize the signs when the depression hits again. But it is... Oh, helpful. Even like just little baby steps. It may take a long time, but baby steps count. Suicide's not the answer. Please use the resources. Thank you, everyone, for joining us on this episode. We have been a little bit all over the place. And by this episode, I mean the episode of three episodes. But here we are. 
If you would like to hear more from us, because we're great gals, uh, feel free to follow us on Instagram, where we're also just witches on the couch. And please make sure to subscribe, review, comment, like, do whatever you have to do to help other wandering witches find this podcast. We've had an excellent day and an excellent time. And make sure to enjoy it during this night, evening, day, afternoon, morning, whenever you tend to listen to your podcasts. Please see us next time where we'll be finishing up Motherland Fort Salem, the last episode ever. Woo! And we will see you all next time. Bye, you guys. Bye. Bye.